Welcome to the Healing Hub Podcast, a podcast dedicated to those living with CRPS and designed to provide hope and empower you to reach your goals and your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Patterson. Join me weekly where we will be discussing CRPS, sharing personal stories, and even talking with guests. Welcome to the Healing Hub Podcast. This is Dr. Tracy Patterson, and I'm your host. I'm so glad that you're able to join me today. This is the inaugural episode for the Healing Hub. And on this episode, we're going to start discussing complex regional pain syndrome, CRPS, also known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy, RSD. We'll be discussing my personal journey with CRPS, talking about the ins and outs of this particular diagnosis. Now, I believe by bringing awareness to CRPS, the diagnosis, we can also enact that positive change that we're all looking for. Advocacy, awareness, resources, and even looking at treatment options. So without ado, let's start jumping into this. For those of you that don't know me, I want to take a couple minutes to just introduce myself and that'll help you understand why I'm so passionate about CRPS, awareness, advocacy, resources, and even the treatment options for those of you living with this diagnosis and even providing the information to caretakers, loved ones, colleagues, or even your healthcare professionals that may not be well-versed in it. So first and foremost, I want you to know that I am a CRPS survivor. Yes, as a matter of fact, I was diagnosed with type 2 CRPS following a foot and ankle surgery that went awry. And I went through all the treatments that most CRPS patients have endured, and probably then some. So I'm also the president of Holistic Center Treatment, the founder of Advanced Pathways, the creator of the CRPS Hub app, and to my knowledge, it's one of the first apps available specific to CRPS on both Apple iOS and also Google. I'm the author of Stepping Outside the Box, A Journey from Invisible Pain to Invincible Living, which is a book about my personal journey with CRPS and gaining remission. And last but not least, the author of Unami the Unicorn, a story of enchantment and healing, written specifically for children dealing with chronic pain or other healthcare diagnosis. Now, my personal journey with CRPS started following a foot and ankle surgery that went awry. And from that point forward, I knew that my life had changed. The unrelenting pain, the frustration, stress, anxiety, feeling hopeless, the isolation, not knowing exactly where to turn. Does this sound familiar for those of you living with CRPS? So over my seven years, I did most of the treatments that all of you have already gone through, or if you're newly diagnosed, the treatments that you're being faced with or discussing with your physicians at this time. For me, it started with 
an evaluation at the pain management doctor's office and being told, well, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is you have CRPS, it's a rare and curable disease, and the good news is we think we caught it fairly early and we think we'll be able to get you in remission in the next six months. Well, unfortunately, that just wasn't the case for me. Through the next seven years, I went through local blocks, regional blocks, lumbar sympathetic blocks, 13 of them of which ended up putting me into adrenal failure. Now, bouncing back from that and still dealing with CRPS, I was faced with a decision of a spinal cord stimulator. I kept being told by my pain management doctor and other physicians that this is your only option. This is the gold standard for treating CRPS. Now, everything within my being told me, don't do it. But yet, feeling like my back was against the wall and I was running out of treatment options, I decided I have nothing left to lose. So I did the CRPS trial, which most patients will go through, and I put it through the paces. And during that time, I realized that it did drop my pain levels a little bit. It helped me to manage my pain better. So perhaps yeah, I was wrong. Perhaps it was something I should do. So we went ahead and did the first spinal cord stimulator with a rechargeable battery. And what I found is every time I would recharge that battery, my affected foot and ankle would swell up two, three, four times as normal size. Now speaking with my pain management doctor, the neurosurgeon, and even the DME company, I was told that's impossible. They made me feel like it was all in my head, that it was a head game, that it was my fault that this was happening if it was happening. So we started taking pictures and videos and documenting the actual process of recharging a battery, panning to my foot and ankle, and seeing the edema and the swelling occurring in front of our very eyes. Now, once they saw that, they said, well, okay, well, we, we can't explain this, but you know, our suggestion is, is taking out a rechargeable battery and putting in a non-rechargeable battery. So we decided we'd go ahead and do that. As soon as that non-rechargeable battery and the surgery happened, all of a sudden, the spinal cord stimulator started malfunctioning. No matter how much we tried to fine tune it and change the patterns and change the frequencies, etc., it was sending out its own message. It was overriding what we had programmed into it. When I had it at a low level, all of a sudden I would get a big zap or I would go to a high level and it was detrimental because there were several times that I couldn't feel my leg when that happened and it actually fell down the stairs. Needless to say, that spinal cord stimulator was removed for all of those reasons. And I was talked into doing a second spinal cord stimulator. Again, being told there were no other options. This is the holy grail. Now fast forward a couple of months and all of a sudden, we were having to reprogram it once a week. We were realizing that we were running against the clock. So with imaging and other things that we did, we found out that there was a buildup of scar tissue on the dura. My 
neurosurgeon quickly did his homework, found other neurosurgeons and pain management doctors were actually posting case studies of other patients dealing with the exact same thing. Now, I was told that it was a rare occurrence that we would have a buildup of scar tissue on the dura, but at the same time, I was told if we didn't address it, not only could I have CRPS, but I could also be paralyzed from the waist down. So needless to say, that spinal cord stimulator came out as quickly as humanly possible. The problem was, once that was removed, I was told by all of my physicians, your case is complicated. There's nothing more we can do for you except try to keep you comfortable on meds. Well, that was impossible because I was tapped out on medication. My pain levels were still averaging nine out of 10. So needless to say, I was frustrated, I was overwhelmed, and I was looking for a way to be able to move forward. So I started traveling the world at that point. I was treated in Germany off and on for several years. I was treated in Mexico. I did hyperbaric treatment. I did stem cells. I did regional hyperthermia. We were flipping cancer protocols into pain protocols. Needless to say, I was the human guinea pig. Eventually, what finally got me into long-term remission was working with someone who understood the biology and the physiology of the body and that mind-body connection and how important it was to get the body out of that sympathetic overload. That is what ultimately got me into remission. Now fast forward and as the president of Holistic Center Treatment, the reality is, is I've put together a non-invasive, drug-free, evidence-based treatment protocol where we're actually helping CRPS patients regain their lives. So let's take the next step into this wonderful conversation and let's really start talking CRPS as a whole. Now, for those of you that have been diagnosed for years or maybe even decades, this is gonna be old information. For those of you that are newly diagnosed or perhaps you have a family member, a spouse, a partner, a caretaker listening to this, or perhaps you can even talk your, your healthcare provider into listening to this, you may be able to glean some helpful information. So I would dare to say that 99% of the people out there have never heard of complex regional pain syndrome or reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Most physicians, clinicians, and healthcare providers have either not heard of it or have very little information on it. And patients are told so many different things at their appointments. We're told it's complex. We're also told, I'm sorry, it's a rare incurable disease. I was even told life as you know it will end. Well, the problem with these statements is you leave that individual, that patient, in the state of frustration, despair. They're overwhelmed. They're thinking, how can I possibly move forward? For me personally, my head was spinning when I left that first pain management appointment and found out my diagnosis. Now, in the 21st century, it's hard to believe that a diagnosis such as CRPS has so little emphasis or attention. 
Unlike other diagnoses, CRPS doesn't have a huge sports figure, an actor, a singer, or even a social media influencer that's representing this cause. Therefore, it gets very little exposure. Unlike Parkinson's, ALS, and even cancer, it's time to start turning the tables. It's time to start shining a light on CRPS. It's time to bring awareness, advocacy, and resources for those living with this painful diagnosis. So what are the CRPS basics? What exactly is CRPS? Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, CRPS, formerly known as Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy or RSD, is a chronic neuroinflammatory disorder. CRPS is not new and in my opinion, it's not a very rare disease anymore. It was first diagnosed back in the Civil War in 1850s. And people with CRPS experience a wide range of symptoms and there's no easy one-size-fits-all treatment for CRPS. Now there are some doctors that are diagnosing other conditions that may or may not be tied to CRPS. Is reflex neurovascular dystrophy, RND, in some cases, young people 21 or under are being diagnosed with Amplified Musculoskeletal Pain Syndrome, AMPS. These are not always synonymous with CRPS, but if you look at a lot of the description of the pain and the symptoms, they do or can go hand in hand. CRPS is classified as a rare disorder in the United States by the FDA, however, more people are saying that there are over 200,000 people or 200,000 individuals experiencing the condition in the United States. There are some statistics saying there are additional 50,000 people diagnosed every single year. CRPS can occur when the nervous system and the immune system malfunction is responding to injury. Now it can be a sprain, a strain, a surgery, an auto accident. I've even had one individual that it happened after three or four mosquito bites. The reality is the nerves are misfiring and sending constant pain signals to the brain and the brain is essentially creating that loop and sending them back down. In my opinion, think of it as that perfect storm in the brain. There's not a one size fit all. But when I look at most of the CRPS patients that I've spoken to, I've treated, and I look at myself. And I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of CRPS patients. If we look at a 30, 60, up to a 90-day window around the time that the incident, the injury, or the CRPS occurred, there's a drop in the immune system. There's a lot of stress around that time in their life. And then there's that injury, the incident, or the precipitation that caused the CRPS. And that, in turn, can create that perfect storm in the brain. Now, the level of pain measured by, let's look at the McGill pain scale, patients describe it as that burning, stabbing, nine pain. And according to the McGill pain scale, CRPS rates around a 45. It's higher than natural childbirth, it's higher than amputation of a digit, and even a higher pain level of some people dealing with burns. 
CRPS is a very real condition. It's not made up. And CRPS generally follows an injury, a nerve injury, a surgery, immobilization. But the reality is it can even happen after a sprain, a strain, or for unknown reasons. It's persistent pain that is more than just the pain. CRPS affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and that list goes on and on. Now, historically, there are two different classifications of CRPS. CRPS type 1, where we don't know that there's a specific nerve that's injured. And then we have CRPS type 2, where we know that there was a specific injury to a nerve or nerves in that particular diagnosis. The reality is CRPS 1 and 2 have the identical symptoms. And the reality is they're both treated in the same way. So what are some of the symptoms of CRPS? Now, not every individual is gonna have all of these symptoms, but a lot of them are gonna go across the board. Unprovoked or spontaneous pain that's constant, it can fluctuate, and with activity or certain movements, it can cause a flare or an increase in pain. A lot of patients dealing with CRPS are gonna describe that burning, stabbing, pins and needles sensation. Other people talk about the effects of feeling like their bones are being crushed. There are a lot of different symptoms that are hand in hand with the diagnosis of CRPS. Excessive and prolonged pain after use or contact of that specific area is typical with people dealing with CRPS. So think about it this way for those of you not living with CRPS. If you have a feather that touches your skin, it can tickle, it feels like nothing. It's a soft touch. But for those people dealing with CRPS, that same feather can feel like a blowtorch. It's real pain. Patients can also experience temperature change, coloration change, swelling, or edema in the affected areas. And the coloration changes can change. It could go from a bright red and feeling like it's on fire all the way down to this bluish molten purple color where we feel like the area is frozen. Now, some people also have skin texture changes, nail bed changes, and even changes to hair growth, sometimes excessive hair growth and other times a lack of hair growth. As time goes on, individuals can also have abnormal sweating patterns, stiffness in joints, wasting away of muscles. It can also affect our bone density. There's a lot of different things that people are dealing with. And last but not least, something that we call dystonia, an involuntary movement in that specific muscle group. So what causes CRPS? The reality is, is we don't have enough research to definitively answer that question. There are some people, including National Institute of Health, NIH, that believe that CRPS is caused by damage or dysfunction or injury to the peripheral sensory neurons. And that has a secondary effect with the 
information that's going through the spinal cord, that super highway up to the brain. Other people talk about the central nervous system and how that's affected. It's unclear why some people develop CRPS and other people don't. And again, in my opinion, it's a perfect storm in the brain. So there's a number of different ways that patients are treated when it comes to CRPS. Pain management doctor, they do an evaluation. They find out based upon the Budapest criteria if they feel that we definitively have CRPS. And if they do, then at that point, the reality is they're probably gonna to talk to you about physical or occupational therapy. There are some physicians that are talking to patients about psychotherapy, graded motor imagery medications, and the medications are being underprescribed in my personal opinion. Then we have the sympathetic nerve blocks. If it's lower extremity, it's gonna be a lumbar sympathetic block. If it's an upper extremity, then all of a sudden it's called a stellate ganglion block. There are some people, physicians, that are using ketamine, which is a NMDA receptor antagonist, or it helps block those receptors in the brain. And I mentioned it earlier with my own situation, spinal cord stimulators and also DRG stimulators. These are the stepping stones a lot of patients go down. The other types of treatment can include sympathetic ectomy, destroying some of the nerves that carry the pain signals that's controversial. Cutting the nerves, cauterizing and burning them. Pain pumps. And last but not least, amputation of that specific limb. Now that's drastic and disabling because the reality is unless CRPS has already been attended to, the individual doing the amputation has a very high probability of still living with CRPS and potentially phantom limb pain. It doesn't mean it will always happen, but it does happen. So it's important for patients to really do their homework. It's important for your CRPS patient, their family, their caretakers to advocate for them, to be able to know what your options are, to do your research thinking outside the box when these traditional treatments aren't helping. That's an important piece. Now what a lot of patients are finding is it's actually alternative, integrative, and holistic treatments or therapies that are making the biggest difference. Now the biggest rub with these areas is the fact that the majority of insurance companies don't wanna cover these treatments. But based upon studies, based upon research, based upon the biology and the physiology of the body, what I do know for certain is simply treating the symptoms isn't working for those people living with CRPS. We need to go above and beyond that. We need to look at what is the biology and the physiology of the body and the brain? How do they work together? And then taking a step further and looking at what is the biology of pain? What are the mechanisms that perpetuate that pain loop? What are the mechanisms 
that are perpetuating that sympathetic overload fight and flight. When we can start looking at that and those pieces of the puzzle, so to say, then all of a sudden we can make forward gains. That's when we can actually work on helping CRPS patients regain function and regain their life. Now, I know that there's a lot of different treatment options that are out there when we start looking at alternative and holistic therapies, even integrative. Now, there's a lot of people that are turning to medical marijuana, they're turning to CBD, they're turning to other forms of hemp to try and get relief. Now, if you're getting relief with those, high fives all the way around, but the reality is it's still a Band-Aid. Now, there are other physicians and clinicians or healthcare providers that are going to talk to you about behavior modification, acupuncture, relaxation techniques such as biofeedback or guided imagery. There's even chiropractic treatments. There's not a one-size-fits-all for any diagnosis, especially CRPS. Now, myself personally, when I look at CRPS as a whole and the biology and the physiology of the body, I'm really looking at how is the brain involved with CRPS because that is what's perpetuating it. Think of your brain as the best supercomputer on the planet or for you that love cars that are out there, think of the brain as the engine of the car. The reality is the brain is in control of every aspect of the body, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. And the brain is the area of the body that's perpetuating that pain loop. So when we start talking about that sympathetic overdrive, when we start talking about fight and flight, that is one half of the autonomic nervous system. We have parasympathetic, rest and digest, and the sympathetic, which is fight and flight, that make up that autonomic system. Now, when the autonomic system is like a teeter-totter and parasympathetics on the ground and the sympathetic is up in the air, all of a sudden the body can't function as it's supposed to. So when we can start getting the individual out of fight and flight, that sympathetic overload, the reality is we're balancing the autonomic system. We're balancing the teeter-totter. By doing that step alone, you're going to notice that your pain levels start decreasing. Now, this is all also tied into the limbic system, which perpetuates that pain loop. So when we can balance the autonomic system, then all of a sudden we can start working on breaking the pain loop, addressing and learning how to maintain by decreasing our stress, decreasing anxiety, controlling depression, and also addressing for those people living with PTSD, PTSD. By doing these things, all of a sudden we increase restorative sleep and this whole package helps the body heal. It helps get someone into long-term remission. Now, through my office at Holistic Center Treatment, I use a multi-modality protocol that covers all of the different angles. We're dealing with physical symptoms, but we're also dealing with that sympathetic overload and balancing out that autonomic system. Yes, I work with a class 3B laser, low-level light therapy, PEMF, 
biofeedback, neurofeedback, microcurrent. We're also working with neuroplasticity training. We're working with clinical hypnosis as a amazing tool to get the body out of fight and flight. We're also dealing with other modalities that can be put in to help the person across that finish line. Now, the big question is, is why am I so passionate about CRPS? And I mentioned earlier that I am a CRPS survivor. My goal is to be able to help as many CRPS patients across the finish line just the same as I did. Now, I've been in long-term remission for over seven and a half years now. That doesn't mean dealing with a flare here and a flare there or desperately trying to maintain. That means a zero pain level. Let that sink in. It is possible. Now, I've dedicated my life to helping other CRPS patients like those of you who may be listening to this podcast to bring awareness and advocacy to this specific diagnosis and those people living with it. And I truly do believe that together we can make a bigger difference. Now, I know how easy it is to lose hope when you're living in agony and living with CRPS day after day, and there seems to be no end in sight, or when we go to bed, we think tomorrow's gonna be Groundhog Day. I know how many of you spend your days feeling like you aren't living, but merely surviving. And I also know how heartbreaking it is and how hard it is to live with CRPS, and I commend each and every one of you for your fight. So I wanna tell you as somebody who lived with type two CRPS for seven years and someone that's gained remission, regardless of what anybody has told you, regardless of how long you've had CRPS, you can take those steps forward. It is possible to regain function. It is possible to regain your life. It is possible to thrive again. And I want you to know that healing is possible for you. Our body is intricately designed to recover, repair, and heal. Sometimes it just needs help doing that. So I want you to know that I'm here for you and I'm here to field any questions and I hope that you'll be able to glean information from this particular podcast and other podcasts coming up in the future on the Healing Hub. And I hope the Healing Hub podcast can bring a ray of sunshine and hope into your life today. And remember, together, we can make a difference.